0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Pixel Splitters, the conversation podcast where we talk about movie news, TV news, industry news, tech news, and really any other kind of news that we come across. Uh, As always, I am one of your hosts. My name is Willis. And I'm your other host, and my name is Josh.
1: And yeah, how are you doing, Josh? I am doing good, man. I'm doing good. There's some... Interesting shit to talk about. There a lot is. of weird shakeups in the industry this week, um which is going to make for a good episode. So I'm excited. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I feel like we always burn out all of our conversation in the like chit chat we do before we start recording.
1: <laughs> we should stop these, doing that.
0: Maybe. And then these introductions are are awkward. we'll just when we connect the Zoom, we'll just already be recording. Yes, exactly. So that people get the organic experience. Um, exactly. But yes, we do have quite some interesting. uh conversations to have today the first one being scarlett johansson and disney mm-hmm. are not happy campers right now last week she officially filed a lawsuit against disney and the box office receipts of black widow mm-hmm. and disney responded in kind and it's been a back and forth and it's really kind of changing precedent uh in the industry i think mm-hmm. definitely um uh, in that same similar kind of vein uh we're gonna talk about David Ayer and the would-be Ayer cut of the original Suicide Squad not the James Gunn one that's coming out next week but right. the OG one with Will Smith et etc etc mm-hmm. um has some Snyder-esque vibes going on here
1: yes big time
0: yes and then we're we're actually gonna pull in some legit tech news this week, uh, and talk about Sony's new vlogging camera, the ZV E10. So like Zeta Victor Echo Ten. Uh, yeah. Yes. Which we I think we have some some thoughts on. But we we definitely uh, have some thoughts on. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's sort of what we're looking at. Um. It seems like light with only 3 topics but I I feel like we're going to have some uh more in-depth conversations here. So yeah, that's uh that's what we're aiming for today and let's um let's get right to it. So, Scarlett Johansson and Disney. Uh jo- do you want to run through Josh what like the circumstance was that stored started this whole situation
1: yeah sure so as many of you know black widow was the first standalone movie for scarlett johansson which is kind of an odd choice because she was one of the first introduced into the mcu but it released i don't know two three weeks ago at this point early july Mm -hmm. and it was one of those simultaneous releases in theaters as well as on disney plus And with that, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago with John Krasinski in The Quiet Place 2, there's been a little bit of turmoil when it comes to what they're getting paid. Because a lot of these people, or a lot of these actors now, and I think Marvel may have started this whole thing of getting points on the back end, like being a normal thing. She was getting... I think it's been... I don't know if it was...
0: I think it's been around for like larger tier stars for for a while like i'm sure sure Will smith had points on like men in black and things like that but
1: sure sure but i feel like
0: with marvel it was
1: it doesn't matter any. like if you're in a marvel movie like you can feel safe taking points on the back
0: end because it's going to make yeah. money it's more more guaranteed for sure
1: yeah so with the pandemic with the simultaneous release stuff there has been some Issues with her salary because obviously she took, I don't know how much of her was it full hundred percent or was it like partial?
0: Um, from my understanding, it was not like she got paid up front. Um, yeah. I think to the tune of something like 20 million dollars, which is um we'll we'll get to that part in a moment. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she had a certain number of points that she thinks would have amounted to somewhere around like tens of millions of dollars.
1: Yeah. Like 50, I saw like $50 million in there. Yeah, somewhere
0: around there. And like, if it was given a full release and a full um, box office run.
1: Yeah. So as of right now, Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney over a breach of contract. Basically, from what I gather, it's because they wouldn't renegotiate her contract. Because obviously she signed this contract years ago to be in this film. And nobody knew that there's going to be yeah. a, a pandemic. So things had to change. This happened with a lot of different movies of, as we've talked about. But them not entering into the renegotiations to figure out how this is going to affect her salary in the long run. I think that's really what happened is like there's they didn't account for this in the contract and they weren't willing to remedy or to like amend the contract
0: to yeah. include
1: this type of thing in it.
0: And from from my understanding of it is Disney's whole excuse around the whole thing is falling back on like a technicality. So the the major point that Scarlett is trying to Scarlett, like I know her, that uh, Scarlett Johansson is trying to get at is she's saying that because it was released on streaming, Black Widow didn't get a full theatrical release. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas like actually in the wording of the contract, if I recall correctly, it says full theatrical release but in no way specifies what that actually is and the whole argument is like oh well it's a well understood industry standard but disney's falling back on like hey it did open in something like 1500 theaters like it did have a wide release it's not our fault if it's also there's nothing their argument is there's nothing that says exclusively released in theaters which is like the big important word now that everyone's like freaking out about is like hey like this is going to be a box office release. Yes. Solely a box office release. So that's what the sort of argument is. Yes. Disney responded saying, No, we don't owe you more money. Mm-hmm. And in a weirdly, like, kind of callous response, said, you already got paid like $20 million for this film. Uh, You're being super callous and, you know, not understanding the ways the world has changed with the COVID pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And basically like we fulfilled the options of your contract. So like there's like a few things going on here in that, like a, they totally put her on blast for what she already got paid. Yeah. And B they're saying you have no like respect for the, pandemic and all that and i'm like Mm -hmm. i get that to a degree but like this is a legal document you know like like there's it's it's a weird thing because the world that we were in like before this i don't know what i'm trying to say here the world that we were in before this was like not the, of course, these contracts don't have any address to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, why would they? That's absurd. And, you know, there has to be some sort of back and forth on this. So, I don't know. I've been talking. So, where do you land on this, Josh? What's your thoughts?
1: So, I think that she is within her rights to obviously sue them. I think yeah. that regardless of the $20 million, that's a lot of money, but it's not, you know, she's she deserves more honestly, and she in within the contract she's obligated to get more, so I think that in terms of legal like the legal jargon, I'm hundred percent like down with this, yeah. I don't like the way that Disney kind of called her like disrespectful, like not in those exact words, but they kind of were like, a, you don't really deserve this, and b you're not taking it." everyone else's feelings and emotions about what's going on into account for this which I'm just like and the thing I keep coming back to is that John Krasinski and Emily Blunt said the same thing about A Quiet Place 2 not Mm -hmm. two months ago when we were still you know we're still dealing with this pandemic stuff I didn't hear anybody say anything obviously he didn't go so far as to sue them
0: yeah but I didn't hear anybody it was settled like they they yeah You know, they figured out a common ground for it. And it was the same thing that happened with uh, Wonder Woman 84 Mm -hmm. in the fall was that was released on streaming. And Warner Brothers came to a deal with with Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. um,
1: I think it's Gadot. I don't know. I always say Gadot.
0: Of this is what how we're going to adjust this change in the contract. And it just seems that like with this, Disney just didn't do that was like, yeah. no, you're, where like, it seems like they kind of stepped up on a technicality that yeah. they didn't expect Scarlett Johansson to step back on or yeah. return fire or whatever. And it kind of just escalated. Um, yeah. But I do want to go back to something you said of, like, where it says, where they're like, oh, you already got paid $20 million for that. Like... That, to me, doesn't have anything to do with this.
1: Nothing. It has nothing because to do with this.
0: A, because what we're really, think I think, talking about here is not necessarily this lawsuit, but the precedent that this sets. Because it's not about Scarlett Johansson and her $20 million and the 50 or whatever she's owed. It's about the star of some small movie that says, hey, I'll take, like, 10 grand for this performance but i want x points on the back end and Mm -hmm. then that kind of turns into a thing of like well then it's not even like a you know a fair payment for like that's the conversation that this is really about of this is like a precedent to say hey like massive companies you can't just change contracts yeah it has to be addressed and i think Mm -hmm. that's super important and i think there's very few people other than Scarlett Johansson that could do that. Exactly. Yeah. Because she's, while she is excellent in the MCU, A, she's kind of done with it at this point, unless there's future plans, which I'll bet there's not now. I, definitely
1: uh, not, yeah. <laughs>
0: but she's also not, she's a movie star outside of the MCU. Like, she has plenty of other films that she appears in. Yeah. So, if she gets, like, blacklisted by Disney, it's not the end of her career, which I think a lot of people would have that same kind of problem bringing a lawsuit against the largest, like, production company in the world. It's
1: true. And I think, like, as a woman in Hollywood where things are super unfair as it is, yeah, like, she deserves this. And the fact that she tried to renegotiate. Like, they, her and her camp and her agency or her manager, they reached out to Disney and said, Hey, what can we do about this? This seems yeah. like it's not going to be fair in my favor. What can we do to remedy this? And they denied doing anything about it. That's just bad fate. That's just really bad for them. Like, it's yeah. just, it's, it's, um, it's like an unwillingness to work with the talent, which yeah. I'm like, guys obviously everyone had to do major shifts in what they're doing because of COVID. This is not excluded yeah. like payment, people being paid for things unfairly. Like, come on, man. And when you're yeah. Disney and yeah. you're griping over, I mean, yeah, millions of dollars is a lot of money, but it's Disney. If you're, yeah. you're really going to be bitching about this. Uh, it's, it's like, not, it's not a good most look. It's really of bad. these
0: MCU films that come out make over a billion dollars. Yeah. Like you yeah. can't, Yes, and like Black Widow is one of the lowest performing of the MCU films. Sure, but like that's I think that doesn't make it different. No, you know what I mean. Like it, those same rules still apply.
1: And it's made like almost four hundred mil. I think yeah. So far, like that's a, yeah. So- I'm
0: like saying it's one of the lower, but it's like not an <laughs> yeah, insubstantial. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. I think it's four weeks out and it's still number four at the box office, which is like impressive. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, nothing really. Since we've seen, I mean, again, Nolan released Tenet in the middle of COVID and made like $12 million. So it's just like, you know, (laughs) it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird back and forth that they're having over, like in public, that I just don't think is necessary. She didn't outright say to the public, I'm suing Disney over this. Like they, they released a statement in which did not seem super genuine and also seemed like they were trying to make the public turn on her
0: in ways well, that I'm like, to be yeah, fair, yeah. she did file it publicly and that's how it got all picked up. Like she didn't like come out and announce it, but true. It she did. Well, yeah, she was suing them before they respond. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, But she didn't like go out and make a huge like stink about the whole thing. Yeah. I don't think from what I can tell, she wasn't like, fuck these guys. They owe me this. It's this. Like yeah, she and filed she a lawsuit. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah, she's pursuing the options open to her to settle a con- contract dispute.
1: Yeah. And if it's found that they did, which it seems like they very much did, if it's a technicality, come on, guys. Like,
0: it- yeah, that's it'll be really interesting to see where this lands. Um, because yeah. from a strictly legal point, like it could be argued, but then you get into weird things of like, well, this is an industry standard that's presumed, even though it's not written out. Like, yep you know um it's the yeah. kind of thing that something like this was inevitable with yeah. all the changes coming and everything moving to streaming there's there was always going to be somebody that had to actively work to change like what these contracts were yeah and like I mean, that's i'm, glad, also it, I'm because, glad it's her yeah, <laughs> yeah um and that's what i mean by this is going to be a thing that's like it's more important for going forward than this actual lawsuit you know especially to yeah. to the industry
1: absolutely and i don't know like if you i i anyone who's listening right now and hasn't read the statement that disney put out please read it yeah. because it's very it's almost like a personal attack on her character which is not what this is about like it's it's not like they're trying to make her out to be like they don't say greedy, but like they're putting the $20 million yeah. out front to be like, well, you've got this much. It's not about the amount of money, it's about yeah. what you're legally owed. Like, it's not, she's not like, oh, $20 million is a little amount of money. It's, it's about the precedent of what's going on here. And I think that they're just trying to make people see her negatively and be like, oh, people, because a lot of it's exactly like what you know, it was, mob yeah. mentality of, of social media will be the jury in a lot of these cases and that kind of sucks, but it's also kind of awesome when people rally around, around a nice cause. Um, I think most people are with her, but the $20 million thing really put a wrench in the equation because people are like, well, it's, she got $20 million. What the fuck? Like that's the argument now. And I think that's that's, what they tried
0: to stir up. That's stupid. And that's exactly what it was of, yeah, she got twenty million dollars. Like that's so much money. She should just be happy with twenty million dollars. And it's like, all right, change that to like, you know, two hundred dollars, and say yeah. you're like, you know, fixing a car or something like that. And you're like, yeah, I paid you two hundred dollars. And you're like, well, yes, but it. This is this analogy is going to fall apart on me so fast. <laughs> but yeah, but. I had to order these extra pieces, which cost more time and more labor and et cetera, et cetera. So like, that's why your bill is and They're Like, well, but I already paid you $200 and that's like a lot of money for what you did. And it's like, that's an absurd conversation because yeah, it's like, yeah, ridiculous. like this is what the contract was. And that's mm-hmm. a yeah, that was a terrible like actual comparison, but it, it would works. fall apart under any closer examination. But you, you don't screw Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> no, a hundred percent. And so that's what, and I think, I mean, it was very, it's very clearly orchestrated like that. They wanted to kind of put those things front and center so that people would fixate on that. And the fact that it's COVID, like they very much were like $20 million she got and she's not being respectful to the, what's going on in, in the world. And I just think that's just a really uh, cowardly approach to this thing. That's like, you breached a legal contract, my friend. I don't know what you want me to say about that. Like, (laughs) yeah. Oh I mean, man. I...
0: Should we like I kind of want to read Disney's response.
1: Here. Yeah, by all if means. It, yeah.
0: yeah, just cuz it's like we're we're talking so much about it and you really need to understand what it sort of actually means. Yeah. Mhm. All right. Disney released a statement saying there is no merit whatsoever to this filing. The lawsuit is especially (laughs) sad and distressing as it's callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Disney has fully complied with Miss Johansson's contract. And furthermore, the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premiere Access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the $20 million she has received to date. Yeah. So like there's no reason to throw that number out there other than like well you already made 20 million dollars. It's it's a shitty response.
1: It's and it and it it, it doesn't address well actually it does. It, they say we did nothing wrong, but it it yeah. only goes after like parts of her that they basically it's it's like a character assassination of her just without being blatantly like she is this it's like yeah well we hate that she is yeah it's just especially
0: considering she's been like part of the mcu since like the fourth movie yeah and has been in iron man captain america movies thor movies like just across all the
1: adventures yeah Yeah. she like she is one of the oldest characters in the entire thing besides i think she's
0: (laughs) after yeah after rdj she's been in the most totally which might not even be she might be tied now with the release of black widow true true um but
1: it's just like it's disrespectful and i it's you know as a huge company like disney to be waffling over stuff like this it's like what is this really about and that's kind of what my whole thing is like why are you doing this not scarlet but why is disney coming back with something it seems like they should have had a more calculated way of
0: dealing with this if i was to predict what's going to happen i feel like disney's gonna walk back its statements and kind of settle this whole situation because the the date the disney statement does feel somewhat knee-jerk reaction yeah And public opinion's not going to sway to their side. Like it's Scarlett Johansson. She's a way more visible space than this giant corporation.
1: Which people already don't like. Yeah. People already hate Disney. So it's like.
0: (laughs) Uh, So we'll see. I guess it's one of those that like it's good. It will either drag on for a very long time or it'll be over next week.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And either way, like we'll feel the ripple effects of this for a while because it's yeah. something that it's important. I feel like every week we have one of these where it's like, oh, my God, this is yeah. going to change the industry forever.
0: <laughs> it's because, in yeah. all honesty, the industry is doing a massive self-correction right now, which is really fascinating to watch and really interesting to talk about like actively as it's happening.
1: It's so true. Like real time, we see these things happen. Yeah. It's like doesn't happen every day.
0: I'd be really interested what what the what the situation would be if she still had like five movies on her contract, or if she hadn't been killed off in the MCU. Mm. Like if this was Chris Hemsworth or um, Anthony Mackie or you know uh, Elizabeth Olsen, someone that clearly has like a larger yeah. future arc going on in the MCU, how we'd we'd land there.
1: Um, True, like if they they shafted like tom holland or something like what would would be going on now yeah true it's so true i don't i don't know it's um again yeah we'll have to we'll have to keep tabs on this and see what happens because it's very interesting i I love when people go up against disney especially people with power which scarlett johansson definitely Mm -hmm. has power and sway and pull and respect so it's like you know it's not someone to be messing with really
0: yeah and i'm trying to think of a like a good comparison of like She – like I was saying earlier, like she has so many other projects that she can go to. Like who is somebody that's kind of just like just the MCU person, you know, that doesn't have a lot of – I've been trying to think of somebody in my head, and I guess there's not a lot, but like –
1: Well, I mean – I want to say like
0: Sebastian Stan. But I don't even think that – He's in other movies, but like he's not – leading man in a lot of other stuff like if he wasn't bucky anymore true he i think he'd be a character actor in a lot of small stuff from time to time but like not taking on huge massive roles 100 percent. scarlett johansson you know is in oscar winning movies year after year like just it's true a power player
1: True, and I mean like like she came into the MCU with that like a like she yeah. already had like a lot of these guys kind of did that like well RDJ had like a resurgence, um, but yeah I feel like with Chris Evans and like Chris Hemsworth it kind of like jump started their career again it was kind of like a new life for Chris a lot Hem- of these guys Chris
0: Hemsworth hadn't done a lot and Tom Hiddleston especially true yeah had he was done you know and he's done all kinds of stuff but nothing. I don't know. I just see all the things like Tom Hiddleston all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, all these other movies he did that I haven't seen any of uh, of them. I just know right. him as Loki, but he's yeah. done like dozens of other movies. I don't know. It's all it,
1: it's the it's that one project that pushes you into the the yeah the minds of everyone in America or the world I should say. Which, you know.
0: Let's talk about the ayer cut. I'm going with the most yeah. direct possible transition.
1: <laughs> that's that's good.
0: Um, let's talk about the air cut. So David Ayer directed suicide squad, not the suicide suicide squad directed that in 2011. No, not that long ago.
1: No, it couldn't have been, it must've been like 2014 or something. It's gonna be like
0: 17 or something. 16. Okay. Wow. 2016. So five years ago, which is basically what my mind thinks 2011 was. (laughs) so directed the suicide directed suicide squad. This is gonna be a nightmare and put out a statement a couple days ago, basically saying that the studio cut that was released was nothing like his, the film he wanted to do nothing like what he envisioned. It was just all studio interference and recutting and completely destroying the film, which like, I think at this point it's pretty clear that, Warner Brothers did that all over the place with like every MCU MCU DCU property that they uh, had in the time yeah and there's been a big call similar to Zack Snyder to release the air cut and the big thing with that that you were saying earlier Josh is it's done yeah it's not like the Zack Snyder cut of, of Justice League where it's like well to Do this, we'd have to invest another 70 million dollars, yeah, which they did and gave us a four hour sniper cut, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, for better or worse,
1: yeah.
0: But this is something that, like, is just I'm sure there would have to be touch ups here and there because I think it got to like a, a test screening kind of thing, yeah, yeah, which I'm sure there's still bits and pieces here to be cleaned up, but like, totally, I don't know where do you land on releasing the air cut.
1: Um, I mean, I'm into it. I think that anytime we get to see something like this, it's at least interesting whether or not it's going to be good. I don't know. I think that there's very little that you could do to save the original Suicide Squad. I mean, it's just the story is not good. The yeah, it's not rated R, which makes no sense. There's a lot of things that I'm like, it's just
0: I wonder if the air cut is rated R. I mean, it. I don't this, I can't imagine. I feel like that would have been dictated way earlier.
1: I think that would have been dictated way earlier. And I also think that I don't know how you would have like they would have had to do so many reshoots, which they might have done. Yeah. But it would have been a completely different movie if it was an R rating, I think. Yeah. And it just doesn't like the there's just a lot that's wrong with that film. I I think that it's interesting. I think I'm I'm down for it to, to be released. And I like the one thing that I do like. Well, I didn't hate the Snyder Cut. I think it was interesting. I think the one thing that it did do that was really good is we get to see these things now more frequently and we may mm-hmm. start getting to a point where the studios just stop that inter- like crazy interference yeah. altogether. Um so, you know, I'm I'm not opposed to it. I I want to see it just to see what he claims yeah. he was gonna do with it cause I'm not a I like his movies to for what they're worth yeah you
0: know? I love his movies yeah yeah um, Fury I, like his tank movie movie Fury is fantastic. excellent fantastic um and like worth a watch if, if like you know Brad Pitt Shia LaBeouf Michael Pena other people that I can't remember Michael Pena Bernthal's yeah, yeah, yeah. In it, I, I think John
1: Bernthal there.
0: yeah and it's like five guys <clears throat> in a tank in and it's who's the oh god I gotta look it up now hold on
1: Oh, it's um it's uh the kid from the kid from Ready Player 1? No. Well, no, I think it's the kid from Percy Jackson.
0: <clears throat> Logan Lerman.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. They look very similar
0: though. Yeah. So, yeah, like I his movies are great and I like besides Bright I believe Bright was not good. <laughs> besides Bright. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's all right. Here's here's an interesting. All right. Well, let me touch back. I am in the same vein as you of like, I would watch uh, an air cut of Suicide Squad Yeah, uh, if it came out. I don't know if it's like four hours long. That's a different conversation. But yeah. But like you said, like, I don't know that there's that much that could save that movie. You could give a lot more backstory and a lot more interaction between the characters you know and make them feel like a more tight-knit group yeah for sure but at the end it's still one of those giant laser pointing at space like mcguffin not mcguffins but dsx
1: um, machina type bullshit DSX,
0: yeah like oh we gotta go shut down the space portal yeah that's become super over like it's the same you know it it's there's certain tropes that are prevalent
1: yeah. It's the easy way in, out if you that. don't have a clever yeah. way of destroying the world. Oh, there's a beam of light and it's going to somehow destroy the world. And we have to stop it, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks a lot Independence Day. I know.
1: Hey, well, hey, that at least was super original. I feel like <laughs> that
0: this could be this could be an interesting conversation, but I feel like that was probably the first one.
1: It probably was, but at least there was a purpose. At least they weren't like it's yeah. just a machine that does something and we're not sh- we got to shut it off. It was a Yeah, you know. and
0: now there's a giant beam of light, which can be done cool. Avengers do. Yeah. You know. Um Yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of a, we're getting off the off the topic here. Yeah. <laughs> um The so the interesting thing about this that I want to sort of talk about for a little bit yeah. is So, with Suicide Squad, Studio Interference, ruin the movie let's say that well we
1: think we think
0: well that's what i'm saying we think but let's say for art for this argument's sake that that's a a pre-gone conclusion sure is there a merit to studio interference because you got to know that every film that comes out has some studio rep at some point that's like This should change. That should change. I remember I did you read the thing the other day that Zack Snyder said one of the um, WB execs was upset in Man of Steel because the pod that Superman comes in is destroyed.
1: I didn't read that. And
0: the note was the note was if the pod is destroyed, how is he supposed to get back to Krypton? No way even though the first like 20 minutes of that movie is the destruction of Krypton. (sighs) Yeah. That's a fun story. Um, Sub subject.
1: Oh my God.
0: (sighs) So like, yeah, there's like insanity to be sure with all of this different kind of stuff, but is there a level to which, and I think we could have this argument a little bit about the Snyder cut, but I'm sure there's other examples out there. Are there situations where a studio interfering with a film is a good thing, is going to rein in a director who is like, yep, I make five-hour movies with only A-list stars that cost $500 million. And they're like, well, you know what? Yeah, 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 totally.
1: I think a hundred percent. I mean, you're not going to find, especially a studio picture that doesn't have the the, the studio's hands in it. I think it yeah. just depends on who it is. Like if you have someone like you just said who clearly doesn't fucking know anything about Superman or yeah. or the story that Snyder's going Snyder. with. Yeah, yeah, but but when I you know. <laughs> Like if you have someone that truly doesn't understand, and they're just kind of putting their yeah. two cents in, which I've heard so many stories of execs doing that stuff, where it's like, "Well, this is stupid. Let's change the color of the." Like it's, yeah, it's almost like they're trying to make it seem like they know what they're doing. I think that it's just—I mean, it's inevitable that you're going to get studios doing that stuff, but I—it's th- just a case by case basis. If it's someone who knows what they're do, like knows the subject mm-hmm. material, and works closely with the directors then sure. Yeah. But if it's someone who's like, yeah, I think this doesn't work with our values or it doesn't work, like that happens a lot where it's like, especially with Disney, well, this doesn't really yeah. fall in line with our values of the company or like the way we want to be presenting ourselves. So in that regard, I'm like, you know, but I think it's a case-by-case basis. I think it's inevitable if you're going to have a big studio picture, they're going to have their fingers in it. They're just not, there's no way around yeah. it. Um, but there's yeah. like filmmakers well, like George and Lucas I'm kind that of- I'm like he could use that a little bit when he makes his movies. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm aiming at here is. So there's a certain level to which there are auteur filmmakers who, and I think Quentin Tarantino is like the prime example who know exactly what they're delivering. Yeah. Know what's going to be good for the film and know what's going to be right mm-hmm. and what's going to work and what's not. And in that kind of case, I think Absolutely. There shouldn't be studio interference. God no. Imagine if there had been studio interference in Inglorious Bastards. Oh my like, God. Like,
1: just nightmare.
0: Or Django Unchanged or anything like that. Like he's someone who knows exactly what he's delivering. I think what I'm sort of getting at is there's is a level to which reigning in some directors is a good thing. Yeah. George Lucas cool. is a good example of like, hey, George, like maybe if we kind of what if we cut this? What if we if for no other reason and George is also a tough example because he's like a huge name, but like a director that's up and coming that doesn't have that full control can still benefit from this kind of stuff. And I worry to tie it back that this like release the Snyder cut, release the cut is going to sort of trickle down into a thing of directors going, no, you're not going to cut this. I'm going to put this out like this because this is just how this should be. And it's, it becomes a thing where they're not learning that kind of level of like editing, I guess, is the yeah, phrase yeah. or the word. I don't know. I think that's a really interesting kind of thing because I worry about fans just being like, well, every director's cut is going to be better than what the studio releases, which is which I don't think is true.
1: Just not true. Yeah, it's just not possible. I mean, I think it's weird because a lot of the stuff that goes on in Hollywood is, like, people think of it, and I certainly think of it like this, too, as, like, a blanket statement. It's like, well, now films will be like this. And it's like, no, like you said, if you have someone like Wes Anderson or Tarantino or even Nolan, it's like, Mm -hmm. those people don't need to be reined. Well, Nolan's a special case, but, like, usually, like, they don't need to be reined in because they already know relatively what they're going to be doing, and they're really good at their craft, when it comes to someone like, well, not even David Ayer. I'm trying to think of a good example of some like really new up and comer that's like, well, actually, I have this in my notes. Like the Fantastic Four movie, Josh Trank's Fantastic Four that came out. Yeah, that was definitely a lot of studio interference because the whole mm-hmm. ending is is a like a fucking nightmare. Not there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think exactly it's it's so bad. Um, but I don't think I think he was new enough where he could have benefited from, because the rest of the movie is not that clean either, but he could have benefited yeah. from studio interference, but it has to be the right person. Like, it, it it's mm-hmm. it can't just be, th- get someone in the room and have them do this. It's like, no, you have to have someone who truly understands, which is why when you see people like Kevin Feige and, um, uh, the, the star, star Wars, um,
0: Dave Filoni. Filoni.
1: That's what it is. Yeah. When you have someone like that who truly understands what you're trying to do and understands where the entire piece is going to go, that's the person you want to be telling you yes or no. Not some yeah. random person. Like I don't know how these meetings go, but when you have someone go in and screw up the Fantastic Four as badly as they did – it's yeah. just like, who's putting these people in these rooms? I, I don't understand that. I think yeah. it's just, they just need to get smarter. And a lot of these high level executive people, they're probably older. They're probably not necessarily understanding where some of these newer things are going in which case, well, and I think you know,
0: the, the, the thing is that they're looking at the money totally and not the art.
1: Yeah. Which is, ugh.
0: um, and then it just becomes a work session of, how do I optimize this to make more money? Which is what tends to be the downfall of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, and
0: I mean, Marvel but can also be good if you're like, hey, no one's gonna go see a three and a half hour movie. Yeah, let's get it down to two and a and ten, and that will be good. And then that can like make the filmmaker learn to edit their like. You know, I, I feel like I'm being like super pro like capitalism right now, but. Like, no, it's there is there is merit to this kind of studio work workshopping, which is a phrase I use lightly. I'm making air quotes, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I I think to bring it back, I think David Ayer is somebody that is an established enough filmmaker to know what he was doing and what oh, would yeah. make the film good or bad. Yeah, and I think Warner Brothers was interfering with kind of everybody at that point. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I, I, you know, that's, I'm, I'm intrigued by a suicide squad thing, but I do think there are some filmmakers that need to be reined in a little bit.
1: hundred percent. I agree. Literally a hundred percent. Cause it's, it's, and again, it's not a blanket statement thing. It's, it's like, yeah, the Snyder cut worked because the other version was so fucking bad. Like if the other, if Joss Whedon's version was good, then we wouldn't be yeah. having this conversation, and that was—I don't know if that was studio interference or if that was Joss Whedon just not having the same mind as Zack Snyder. You know, there's a lot of different things. Well,
0: and <laughs> let's let's make this argument. So with the Snyder cut, that movie could have been three hours and fifteen minutes. Oh God, yeah. You could have cut forty-five out of that.
1: Half the slow mo scenes could have been cut in like a quarter.
0: <laughs> could have been in regular speed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Sorry, we're we're getting into my Snyder snide but like that's the kind of thing i'm like sure if he's giving a free reign he's delivering a four-hour movie which is you know the snyder cut is a unique case in this case yeah but in any normal circumstance a four-hour movie is going to be you look at wyatt earp the kevin costner epic that's four hours long like that movie has been out for something like 15 20 years now and how many people can say they've sat down and watched all four hours of wider. Not me. I did. It was when I was in film school. Cause all my friends did it at the same time and they were like, Oh my God, we got to watch this four hour movie. And I was like, okay, sure. And it's fine. But like, it doesn't <laughs> need to be four hours.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's I other don't. cases like that where it's like Ben Affleck's first cut of the town was four hours or something like that. And yeah. obviously that's not going to work. Um, So yeah, there's total, there's a, there's a lot of merit. In having other people go over your stuff and try and make it ready for the public. Yeah. I think it just needs to. I don't know. I think they either need to choose their people a little bit better or just have more people in the room to be like, no, like you can't just have one guy come in and say, you need to change the entire ending. And I don't know if that's the way these meetings go, but it seems that way because when you get the ending of the Fantastic Four, it's just stupid and bad. Like there's just no value in that um so i don't know if there is a right answer here
0: it's just oh i don't think that yeah i think it's it's definitely a film by film case by case situation yeah but that i'm just i see release the air cut and i'm like all right what's next like release the lucas cut or release the um (laughs) the johnson cut for last jedi and that's gonna be the best you know or all these different like did I get that right? Last Jedi is, is uh, the one with Ray Johnson. I right? don't even know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I and, think well, so.
0: the, that's the one I'm aiming for, listeners. Yeah. just leave me alone if I'm the bad one. Don't tweet at me. Yeah, or tweet at me.
1: <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. yeah,
0: the bad one. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I, that's where I kind of land. I am for it for certain filmmakers, and not for others which is a horrible note to end on because I feel like I'm just gatekeeping editing now.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing. If um, people want to do it and put it on Netflix so I can just watch it, I don't have an issue with that. You know? I, I And I think that's the way these things are going to go, and I'd rather have them not go to theaters, but...
0: That's a dope note. Yeah, like, with something like that, why not release it on streaming? Yeah. Why not release it on streaming, especially if it's done, why not release it so that people... People who are curious enough to see the differences will go watch it. Yeah. And hell, put them both up at the same time and be like, look, you can compare and contrast and see how many people watch them back to back. Yeah. Or simultaneously on two screens, as I would do.
1: Yeah, literally like frame by frame, like, okay,
0: how are we doing
1: this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get more of these, so. Yeah. It's inevitable. And Warner Brothers and HBO seem to be leading the charge on this, so, you know.
0: Yeah. We're going to get more of them and then one per like one of them is going to come out and people are going to be like, all right, well, that one was really bad. Like that was a bad movie that somehow got worse. And they're going to be like, oh, and they'll be like, right. That's why we don't. Do <laughs> We're this.
1: not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully the air cut drops we and we can,
0: we can talk about it. Yes.
1: Let's. um. We actually have tech news, guys. A little bit yes. of tech news. And, we uh,
0: haven't talked about tech news in like a month. I know
1: is nobody's doing anything cool. It's true. We can shit talk Nikon all we want, but like I don't want to <laughs> do that every week. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So Sony, uh, released their or they released. Y- you can now buy their or like pre-order their new vlogging camera, which is as we said at the yes. beginning, the ZV E10, which is the C. Sequel, whatever it's the next in the line of their ZV cams, which they started last year. Essentially, you can tell just,
0: we haven't done tech news in a
1: little while. I know, while. I'm like, what the fuck are we even talking Let's about? Let's talk about the sequel, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the ZV one was out last year, and it was, I don't think it was a big hit in America, I think it was a big hit in Asia. And it was basically just a vlogging yeah. camera, you know, it's very, very intuitive, easy to use, simple. There's no viewfinder, it's just a big screen, so you can just vlog. Now we have. Yeah. The next version of it, which the big the big thing about this is it's interchangeable lens, which is cool, so you can actually choose your lenses. Yes. But the reason we're talking about this is because there's a lot of settings and features on the camera that are made for people who don't know anything about cameras and how to use them. Which, again, I, I don't have a huge issue with, but it doesn't promote learning about it it's just kind of yes. you know there's a there's a button to make the blurry background I'm doing air quotes again there's a button for it's just there's for a button to, to
0: change focus between where you are and where a product item is mm-hmm. it's called like the product focus shot
1: yeah and as two people well I'll just speak for myself as someone who who likes to shoot video and photo and I love carrying a camera around with me this just makes me a little bit sad because it's almost like Sony who's not notoriously who's they're not a camera company they're just kind of trying to get more people to buy a camera which yeah is what it is but what do you what do you think about this whole what's going on with this whole thing
0: so as i was reading this the first question whenever any new camera comes out the first question i have is like okay who's like the target audience for this yeah because if it's not me, I take it with like way more of a grain of salt. If this if I if I a new camera comes out and it's like this is kind of directed directly towards me, then I become super critical. I'm like, let me tell you why I will never fucking buy that. Yeah, camera. yeah. <laughs> this is gonna get playfully negative. So like strap in, guys. I'm not a Sony shooter. Mm. Josh is a Sony shooter. Yes. So be more excited when he starts ripping on, <laughs> on Sony. But so I always look to see like. I always try and put myself in, like, who is the target audience for this? So with this camera, I'm like, okay, this to me is marketed towards a person that has been doing stuff on their phone. Yes. But wants to do something better. Because with your phone, it's usually some kind of fixed camera, or if it's an iPhone, you can, like, switch between the three or two or whatever. This you can switch to any kind of lens That'll attach to a crop sensor Sony camera, Mm -hmm. uh, including Sony's Tamron Sigma's. But if that's the case, if this is towards somebody who was using a phone but wants to step up their game, this is seems to me like an unnecessary middle ground Mm. for exactly what you said of people that don't want to learn. Yeah. People that are like, well, why isn't this like my phone? Mm hmm. And I still take issue with that because it's not like your phone because it's a camera. Yeah. <laughs> and it has certain like ways that cameras work. And I'm sure there are people out there that will buy this, that walk around and just record on that. And it can live stream, I think, which is a big thing. Yeah. Um, but if, you're, if you've been doing a lot of live streaming or if you've been using your phone for vlogging or whatnot and you want to up your game, what does this give you? It gives you different lenses. Cool. And it gives you a larger sensor. Mm-hmm. That's about it, right? Yeah. There's nothing really. There's nothing really else. No. Super exciting about that. And if those are the two things you're getting, there are f- cameras like the sixty one hundred that do that, but give you a lot more ability to do to grow. Yeah. Like that's my thing. Is like the ceiling on this camera is not far off. Like no. You're like okay, cool. It looks better, but. Oh, well, can I do, I wanted to say slow-mo, but I think it does like 120, 1080 slow-mo. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, oh, I want to do, you know, a, a faster, I don't have a good example. Long exposure, shit. like. Long exposure, well, sure. camera, Or yeah, I want to yeah. do uh, a time-lapse or something like that. It's like, these are things that like, yes, this is going to be bigger, better than your phone. But as soon as you start wanting to do more, as soon as you want to start learning more you're gonna hit the ceiling on this camera and be like well should i get something else yeah should i get a should i get a 6100 or to the point as soon as you get like two or three lenses and you start playing with those lenses and seeing what they can do Mm -hmm. then you're gonna be like well this camera body can't really do what i want to do with with these lenses yeah and maybe that's sony's plan is like okay there's their phone and then this will be one to sort of push them into the sony brand and then they'll start mm. building lens collections and then they'll want and then before you know what they have an a7r4
1: right right or an a1 or some shit
0: or an a1 yeah yeah, yeah. cool <laughs> thank you for hitting me with the more recent uh sony camera <laughs> but that's my kind of thing i'm like this seems like an unnecessary stepping stone when you could just pop over to an a6100 or a 6400 for not a lot more money and more functionality
1: yeah I mean, it's it, like when it comes down to it, the biggest change is the fact that you can add lenses. Because the first one I think was like a twenty-four to two hundred or whatever, like some sort yep. of uh, fixed lens or a yeah fixed lens. And so, but the people who are already like, okay, let me look into the lenses. That's yep. already a step way further than we're getting with this. So if you're like, okay, I want to get a fifty-one-four. You're not going to fucking put it on this camera. I'm sorry, you're just not going to spend yeah. $1500 on a lens and put it on an $800 camera. Yeah. And the thing that really bugs me is it's like it's the people who want to do it but don't want to put the work in to do it. And I'm like, I just yes. don't I'm not I'm not on board with that. If you want to do it, then do it. But don't try yeah. and fake it because one, it's not going to look that good. Like you may think it looks incredible. Trust me, it doesn't look like people love the portrait mode on iPhones. It looks horrendous if you actually shoot photos like I know nobody really understands what it is it looks horrendous and this I you know at at least they're using real you know aperture and stuff so you can get a depth of field that's actually a depth of field but you don't know what it's what's going on there's literally a button for depth of field I'm like that's not Yeah. I I just if you if you're gonna do it then fucking do it I feel like I'm swearing a lot but just do it
0: no (laughs) I mean, and it's totally true of, it's one of those things that photography and videography and filmmaking and all that stuff, when you're looking at it from the beginning, from the outside, it seems fucking impossible. Yeah. the Like all of the terminology, all of the rules and all of that stuff is like fucking crazy. You know what I mean? And yeah. I like, I, there are things to this day that I'm like, I'm pretty sure I, and I've been shooting for like 15 years now, like there's things that i'm like i i'm i'm pretty sure i know what exactly that means yeah i'm I, i'm like 80 percent sure i know what bit depth is mm-hmm.
1: yeah you know what i mean yeah. and i'm but i'm
0: like <laughs> there's part of me that i'm like if you started like saying hey let's have like an in-depth conversation about bit depth i'd be like okay yes yeah, like um, might be a little one-sided but yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah so it, like it it seems terrifying from the beginning but like once you get into it a little bit like bit depth for a lot of things that you're shooting doesn't really matter that much no things like aperture and shutter speed and ISO and like those are like the three big ones that are like yeah like that you kind of get to get a handle on and it's insane because aperture is like what's a one four what's a one eight what's a two what's a two eight like Mm -hmm. what are these numbers and that doesn't really matter that's just like what you have yeah You know what I mean? We don't need to get into the physics of why an aperture number is a certain number. Mm -hmm. So I'm like off on a tangent here, but like it's one of those you just have to like say, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this. And once you get those basics down, there's so much more that you can physically like, for lack of a better term, unlock from a camera. And that's just one of those things that this camera that we're talking about here, the Sony just won't let you have those opportunities. There's no room to grow.
1: Yes. Yes and with cameras like there's not that many things where you can you can see exactly what f- different things do like when we're talking aperture like I work at a camera store and that happens all the time people are like oh okay wait f stop aperture what do you I don't know what we're talking about it's a lot of like buzz phrases that are there's a lot of yeah. them in photography it's not so that many. it's not complicated when you start to understand what's going on and you can actively see what it's doing to your photos in real time now with digital. So it's like, "Oh, the aperture. Yeah. Change the aperture. Just look and see what happens." You don't even have to know what it is. Just start dialing it in and seeing what happens and you'll understand. Same with shutter speed, same with ISO. They're just yeah. words that you don't understand what their meaning is yet, but with cameras, you it's really not that hard to understand what's going on you take a photo that's the thing with automatic is people just throw it on automatic and stop thinking about that stuff and it's like oh man your your photography will get so much better when you understand because you have
0: as soon as you start pushing it a little bit
1: exactly like you have like the possibilities are endless when it comes to photography you just have to know what you're doing and it's really just not that confusing like as soon as
0: (laughs) To to give a, a hardcore example, as soon as you realize that shooting at an F five six versus like an F one four is gonna make way more of your image sharp. Yeah. That changes the sharpness of all of your photography. Then you're like, oh well, okay, this seems like it might be let me bump it up a little bit. And like those are the things that it's just like it gives you greater tools. Yes. That if you're just like on automatic and I guess we're just turning into like a a dunk fest on people who should automatic now, but that's the kind of thing, especially all you have to do is push a little bit and it opens up. And I know, like, I feel like we're being very like, yeah, like whatever, this is like the easiest thing and we've been doing it for a long time. I I recognize (laughs) that it can be really hard for some people, but if you're going to do something to go back to my original point, if you're going to do something more than your phone. Do something more than your phone. Yeah. Like this, this camera is essentially like a phone camera that's a little bit fancier and made by Sony.
1: Yeah. And it's not marketed towards people who want to do more than the phone camera. It's marketed towards people who, who just want to just basically have a camera without doing, without knowing what it does. And uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to be said about, about the whole people not willing to learn and with smartphones now obviously everyone and i mean i had this conversation with someone earlier i'm like i would be lost if i lo- if i just my phone just disappeared right now like yeah. in a lot of different ways there would be like all my credit card informations on there my my you know there's everything is on there my 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 maps are on there you know
0: mm-hmm. so
1: i understand how people get into that cycle of okay this should just be doing it for me but It's art, man. I don't know what to say. Like you can't just like have a – well, I guess you could have a program do a painting for you. But it's about what you can do with the piece of – You
0: could have AI write a script for you.
1: you, Exactly. Yes. Callbacks, folks. Episode throwback. Callbacks. So yeah, it just frustrates me because I see this shit and I'm like you want to do it but you don't really want to do it. And I just don't
0: like that. I think it's the interchangeable lens that really does it for me. Yeah. Because then you're saying, I want to get into interchangeable lens cameras. Right. And if you're not willing to learn what a different lens does for you, if you have no knowledge base of what a 50 millimeter prime versus a 24 to 70 versus a uh, 70 to 350 or whatever, like, if you have no sense of what that means, then like, what does it matter if you have interchangeable lenses?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're probably going to get the kit lens and
0: sit with it. (laughs) Yeah. And never switch with it.
1: And that, yeah, that's like. You
0: know, unless you're planning, unless your plan is like, oh, well, I'll get it so it's interchangeable so I have room to grow, which that's like, and that's, that's a conversation. So I have an old Fuji XE2 that I bought instead of the X100, I think it was the T Mm. when I bought it. But I bought it because I wanted the interchangeable lens so that I could potentially start building a, a Fuji lens collection. Yeah. Which I never did. But, like, I don't know. I'm going in circles now. But No, I it, I get you. I mean— If you're intending to grow with it, then this this one's not going to let you grow anywhere.
1: Yeah. And it's like if you spend $800 on camera, you think you're going to spend $1,200 on a fucking lens? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah It's just a confusing, it's a confusing camera in the lineup. I just don't really understand where it fits. It's like, it's right in between everything that you could just go for, for the same price. It's like.
0: Yeah. To be honest, I feel like they probably just took the ZV-1 and were like, all right, so this we have, what could we do to make a different one? Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it was not aimed at anyone particularly in the industry. They were just like, well, this is good, but interchangeable lenses.
1: Yeah. We'll sell more G Masters. You know, oh god, yeah. You spend twenty four hundred dollars on a lens, and you put it on the ZV one, ZV whatever it is (laughs) ten.
0: There's people out there that are doing that too. Uh, You know, there's people that have pre ordered already. They're like, I am gonna mount my entire G Master lens collection on this. I'm gonna walk around and vlog on a two thousand dollar seventy to two hundred.
1: If someone owns a seventy, if somebody owns the entire G Master collection already, and then gets this, I'm okay with that. Because they clearly understand a little more about what's going on, and they've put ten grand into it versus someone who's like, "I'd okay, like to have a
0: conversation with that person,
1: oh, definitely." <laughs> but I, I'm more into that than somebody buying the z v e ten and a twenty four to seventy in the same purchase That would yeah. like send me over the edge, probably.
0: <laughs> It'll be interesting to have a conversation of what that sales pitch would be. I just i don't because you know, you really invest in lenses, true, true. <laughs>
1: Oh, it. good God. Yeah. This is not a camera I'm going to be like paying any attention to, so we're probably never going to yeah. talk about it again. And but
0: <laughs> I Yeah, I don't think it's going to do very well. I think it's for a very niche group that isn't picking this up if they have the choice between this and the ZV-1. Yeah,
1: or they probably already have the ZV-1 and they're not going to fucking yeah. get this one because it's like, oh, you or need... Or any it.
0: other point and shoot. Exactly, kind
1: of. exactly. Yeah.
0: So. So, yeah. I got... I got way more impassioned about that than I thought I was gonna.
1: Yeah, honestly, I was like, I was kind of like, oh yeah,
0: this camera's weird. But then I was like, let me tell you.
1: But it's a very about this camera. It's a. We're at a point in time where this stuff is going to be more and more prevalent. Where it's like, oh, the people who are transitioning from smartphone use to camera use who aren't looking to get a full frame, whatever, Canon or whatever. Well, and I
0: think we've talked on this podcast before about Sony and their like aim of finding little niches in the market and beyond like, well, let's just release a camera for those 45 people it's true because you know i think they have probably 90 percent of the consumer base covered of like people who are gonna you know if they're looking for a certain camera there is a sony option for it oh totally um, they might not go sony but like you know there is
1: one yeah exactly. i don't think
0: there's much out there that like if you were doing something sony wouldn't be an option
1: yeah they got drones action so, cams full frame cams yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, so that brings technique. us. Whew. Yeah, I know. Honestly, and it was like such a small thing, but it was more the bigger picture of what this means and what it just fucking pisses me off, yep. like, <laughs> yeah, Clearly. So but uh but let's roll right on in to the recommendations. Do cool. you have a recommendation this week?
0: I do. And it's a movie that I'd kind of completely forgotten about until the algorithm fed it to me last night. Let's go. It is the 1999 film Mystery Men.
1: Mystery Men?
0: Do you know this film? No. I've never even heard of this. Oh, my God. My wife had the same reaction. She's like, I've never seen this. (laughs) So Mystery Men is OG og superhero films it's very tim burton's batman-esque in its like mood i can see by the cover (laughs) yes holy crap (laughs) but it's a comedy i would say it's a comedy okay uh it stars off it's actually weirdly suicide squad s i think the line is we're not your big name superheroes we're the other guys nice and it stars ben stiller oh my god william h macy Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, Janine Garofalo, Hank Azaria, Paul Rubens, Greg Kinnear, Greg Jeffrey Kinnear. Rush, Eddie Izzard. Like Tom Waits is in it. But What? So <laughs> William H. Macy call, plays a hero called the Shoveler who shovels well. That's his superpower. Let's go. Uh, Hank Azaria is, plays the Blue Raja, a British superhero who throws cutlery, forks and spoons, but not knives. Okay. Uh, and Janine Garofalo plays the bowler, uh, who has a magical bowling ball that her dead father's skull is in. bed. it's like it's the most insane thing. It's in it's a farce on actual superhero comics, yeah. and it's fucking hilarious, and I love it so much. And Kel Mitchell is in it of Keenan and Kel. Oh my god. Um, he plays the invisible boy who can only turn invisible when no one's watching. Oh my god.
1: How have I not heard about this? This is like right it's, up my fucking alley. Oh my God. It's
0: so good. It's so good. And there, I won't say everything in it. Cause there's so many little roles in it too. There. It's just like, was that, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll spoil one. Michael Bay is a character in this movie.
1: Let's go Not playing
0: Michael Bay, but he's just like, is that Michael Bay? And you're like, yep.
1: Bay him. Let's uh, go.
0: <laughs> what the so fuck? So that is my recommendation. I'm surprised that it has kind of fallen out of public knowledge because I have watched this movie probably 50, 60 times. Well,
1: I'm going to need to ch- – is is it streaming anywhere?
0: It is. I believe – hold on.
1: Because I'm going to have to watch this.
0: <laughs> and it's only like 90 minutes long. Oh, perfect. It's on Peacock is where what oh, got – where fuck. it fed me yesterday. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah. I gotta so. start up my uh, my free subscription to Peacock. Then I think my yes. trial. <laughs> That's awesome. Jesus.
0: Uh, what is your recommendation for uh, this week, Josh?
1: My recommendation is absolutely nothing like that, and it is a movie that was <laughs> uh, produced uh, distributed by A twenty four about seven eight years ago, and it's called Ex Machina, which I actually saw in college because mm. I took a a class about robot stories in cinema which was fucking awesome shout out teresa my favorite professor ever um nice yeah the it's directed by alex garland who wrote like 28 days later and the newest dread movie which i actually kind of liked like <laughs> not not gonna lie
0: the one with um what's his name
1: uh, carl urban carl Rube. yeah i actually fucking like that movie a lot
0: he's a really good he's yeah.
1: fantastic but yeah, this movie kind of centers around it's sci-fi thriller. It centers around a guy who works for like a big tech company who wins a uh, like a week stay with the CEO at his like private house, and while mm-hmm. he's there, he f- figures out that he's kind of dabbling in artificial uh, intelligence as well as robots. And it stars Oscar Isaac and Domino Grease Gleason and Alicia Vikander. And I think that's literally it. There's like not that many people in this movie. Um, and it's really disturbing, beautiful, and just an all around really, really well made film. And I think the budget was like fifteen million dollars or something like that. so it's it's on the yeah. lower end, but incredible. some of honestly some of the best Cgi I've seen to this day, yeah, incredible on the on the on the Android or the full robot mm-hmm. that they have incredible. um
0: and, uh, and her performance is amazing in that unbelievable. It's. And that kind of put her on the map, right? That was one of her first... Oh, totally. 100%. Yeah. Um, and, well,
1: and, and this yeah, is one yeah. of the ones that, like, I hadn't seen Oscar Isaac really before this too, too much either. So sure. um, it kind of threw everyone in there. And uh, yeah, it's just a great movie. It's, it's not super long or anything. And it's, unfortunately it's rent only. I, I, I did the recommendation before I looked it up, but it's rent only, but it's four bucks. So if, Hey, if you want to watch a really good yeah. sci-fi thriller, it's a
0: really good movie for four bucks. It's
1: too, yeah. so good. It's, it's incredible. Um, cool. Cool. All right, man. I think that'll bring us home. Yeah. I think
0: yeah. so. It's a good episode. We got heated in this one. We did. It's good though. This industry is changing, man.
1: It is, and people fucking want to tell me. I got in a Twitter beef with Doug Benson and Seth Rogen the other day about Seth Rogen said that that movies will be the exact same forever, and I'm like, you're fucking wrong. And then I got lit up by people. So, but I just, I just it's we true. we talk about this all the time, and we see it. Things are changing. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, so yeah, we'll leave it at that um where
0: can people get on twitter beefs with you on online if josh? you
1: want to get in a heated twitter beef with me you can follow me on twitter at josh fuller 33 with no e with no e is not part of it i need to change my twitter handle i think that's just what it comes down no to. it's fine i feel like <laughs> i just ruined it forever for you <laughs> it's all right um and if you want to follow me on instagram check out some of my work you can follow me at josh j fuller on there as well and where can people find you willis
0: you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Willisfilm. And you can find the pod itself on Instagram at Pixel Splitters and on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. And yeah. Yeah. I think that'll bring us home.
1: That will bring us home. Good episode, man.
0: We say that a lot.
1: It is. It is what it, That's yeah. our thing. That'll bring us home. That's, that's our, our jam. thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're home now. Yeah, we're home.
0: I hope you are home as well, listener. That's weird. I don't know. What I was. feel like most people listen to listen to this car. wherever you want, guys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah this is All right, man.
0: Cool. Well, that'll bring us home. Yeah. Good talking <laughs> and, to you. And uh, we'll just stop talking now. <laughs> and I'll talk to you next week.
1: Thank you all for listening, guys.